So now we're going to listen to a short interview in which Bishop Brendan Leahy chats with Father Tony Mullins from Abbeyfield Parish. This interview is available to be heard as well on the Limerick Diocesan website. So let's hear this. So hello, I'm Bishop Brendan Leahy here in Limerick and today I'm in conversation with Canon Tony Mullins, a much loved and well-known priest here in the Diocese of Limerick. You're very welcome, Tony. Thank you, Bishop Brendan. Very nice to be with you this afternoon. So, Tony, many people know you, but maybe you could just give us a little bit of your own background. Yeah, well, I'm a native of Arda uh, in West Limerick. Uh, I'm the youngest of six children. Uh, I went to school in Arda and later to Newcastle West and then to Minute. Um, I was ordained there in 1983. Um, and I've spent most of my ministry in Limerick Diocese, although I did spend a very short period out of it. At the very beginning, I was on loan to Armagh Diocese up in St. Peter's Cathedral for about When we had loads of, loads of seminarians at that time. Absolutely, and those were the days. There was, there was no place on the team in Limerick at that stage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we've, we've seen quite a change from, from that period then, you know, so... Yeah, and my family, I suppose, in, in Marda would be well, very much associated with music, traditional music and that. So we'd be well known in that area, you know. So Well, you yourself have a great, of course, uh, gift in that area, a great, great voice. Yeah, thank I God. guess I brought that from, from my parents, I imagine, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoy singing and it seems to bring some comfort to a lot of people. <laughs> so Well, now in Limerick, you've had, of course, huge experience. You've been in many parishes. Uh, you've been administrator of the diocese for four years. You're now our vicar general as well. What for you is a feature of Limerick Diocese that you particularly like? Well, as you say, Brendan, I've, I've had an incredible amount of experience really at a pastoral level. Extraordinary, really. I've been parishes, hospitals, even the prison. I was part-time chaplain in the prison for eight years. Um, and I suppose really what strikes me about all of that is really... It's the goodness of people, really. People, no matter where they are, whether in parish, hospital, there's a, there's a great goodness within people. And, uh, you know, whether they are linked with church in, the, in a formal way, like mass attenders or not, I have found people to be generally very open, welcoming, and there is an, in, an inner goodness in all people, really, that, 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 that I find very encouraging, you know. Well, certainly I have found that since I've come to Limerick as well. People in general are well disposed towards the church and I, especially to many of the priests of the church. A lot of people know priests very well and I'm very struck by that in Limerick. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I suppose in a way Limerick is small. We mightn't think of it in that way, but it is a small community. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, priests have always had a, a role in community, as we know, maybe a, to a lesser extent now, but we are with people at very significant moments in their lives and you walk with people on the days of joy and happiness you also walk with them in at times of sadness and bereavement and well that's where the ministry is really today i was reminded actually by a, a parishioner of being involved with a member of her family in another parish and uh, she what she said to me was she said, you give time to them at a very critical moment in their in their lives and uh, um, I think that's the I think that's the connection, and generally, I think priests do reach out, and people connect with them very well. Well, that's a wonderful testimony, and indeed, thanks to you for the many, many ways you've reached out to a lot of people at a lot of levels. 
but I, I'm sure this whole COVID experience must be something of a challenge for priests. Well, absolutely. And I suppose we're into a year of it now. It's, it's, it seems quite uh, amazing that we have gone through this particular year. And it's had different shapes and different kind of uh, different stages along that journey of that year that has been different moments, moments of, I suppose, shock initially when we when we had to close our churches and coming out to celebrate mass to an empty church. I mean, that was quite a, quite a shock, really. We were blessed here in Abbey Field that my predecessor, John O'Shea, had put in a webcam and we were the only webcam in the county at that stage last year um, and suddenly became really aware of a responsibility to the to many to the many people who were linking in with us we in fact we had thousands of people linking in with us for holy week last year and That's wonderful. Quite, it was wonderful it also brought its own particular stresses with it from our point of view but i think by and large we we, we, we connected with people but i would be concerned for people who who don't have that ability uh, to connect with us particularly older people who might feel somewhat isolated and i suppose one of the things here in the western part of the diocese is that that West Limerick 102 radio station has stepped into that breach on Sunday mornings. And we are now reaching a lot of people from Mass on Sundays That's that excellent. we wouldn't have reached through the internet, you know. So it's been great in that sense. But, oh, yeah, a huge, a huge readjustment for all of us, really, you know. And, uh, yeah, and I think would that's significant say, as we go to the future. Would you say that COVID has brought any positives in terms of pastoral life? Well, I, th I think it has shown us really how we can adapt and change. And the church, in, we are in a situation where we do need to adapt and change. Um, it's, it's changing all the time anyway, but perhaps, uh, you know, the church I was ordained into in 1983 and the country that Ireland was in 1983, there's no comparison. The landscape has changed so dramatically, really, in so, so many ways that the church finds itself perhaps even almost on the margins of, of, of Irish society in a way. Um, so we have to adapt to that. We have to adjust that. How do we proclaim the good news to people in our communities uh, in this new situation? I think the COVID has taught us, yes, we can change. We can adapt. I mean, you just take the, the celebration of the sacraments, the First Communion and Confirmation. Yes, there was the whole issue of when and where and how and so on, and it was very challenging, and people have been fantastic in how they responded. But what has emerged from that actually is very positive because I think for nearly every family I would have contact with here and just listening around the diocese, um, I think the smallness of the gathering, the intimacy of it, the simplicity of it uh, has taught us something perhaps that we weren't able to see before. And I think that's just one small example of how we can we have adapted and we will adapt into the future. And it helps us to reach out perhaps to people in a way that we were not being successful at before, you know. Good to hear. How, how about uh, funeral ministries? How have funerals been? Mm. Funerals have probably, be, have probably been the most challenging really for, for all of us, for, for obviously for relatives of people who've died, but also I think for ourselves as priests ministering to people, um, the challenge of trying to uh, ensure the safety of everybody uh, within the church building uh, and at the same time uh, the distancing the challenge of trying to be supportive to people as best you can so I suppose in a way people would feel that the culture we have in Ireland of, of, of the rituals of our funerals 
really have a huge community aspect to it. And in a way, the distancing has diminished that somewhat, uh, quite considerably, really. And I think people feel that absence. But I think within the church itself, you know, the actual celebration of masses, the funeral masses, the liturgies have been quite personal. And despite the fact we might be celebrating a funeral mass in a big church like Abbey Field, there is, a, I, I have found that in an awful lot of cases, in most cases, families have really found it very personal um, and very uh, comforting for them. And, and it's a whole different experience for all of us. And again, I suppose it's just the smallness of the gathering and it's personal and there's no stress in a way on about being in front of people or anything like that, you know. Um, but then, of course, when funerals leave the church, you into a whole new issue there. That's a different situation. But yeah, sure. Had, I know, is, of course, uh, some people, downs, you know, you know, so. yeah, some people would prefer if the numbers could be up to 25 in actual funerals. Absolutely. I mean, the, the number 10 has been actually quite it's been very, very challenging for for families. Who do you decide that comes in? Um, you're trying to guide people in that decision making. Uh, not easy. It's very painful, very painful for everybody. And uh, so, look, you know, the sooner we can go up to at least 25, at least that would be, you know, more, more, more acceptable, I think, you know. We're in coming into Holy Week and Thursday, Holy Thursday is the day we often remember, especially the, the institution of priesthood, the gift of priesthood. Uh, it has hasn't been an easy time for anybody, hasn't been an easy time for priests. Many people, however, do want to try and do their part. How might people best help priests, in your view, at this time? Well, I find here that uh, I suppose, really, I mean, it's a very human thing, really, but I find people are very encouraging. Um, uh, they have been incredibly encouraging, actually. It's, it's, the, it's the word of encouragement. It's maybe the telephone call, the text message you get after a liturgy. You're celebrating mass in a church where there's nobody except yourself and the reader and maybe a, a singer. And then you get a response from somebody and says, yes, that meant something to me. That touched me. Uh, and, and again, you know, that's new for Irish people. I don't think Irish people actually... Uh, responded in that way before yes we're kind of used to the americans negative way but the americans were great at giving a word after a a liturgy irish people probably not but as you said that could be something that's coming out of covid so so i think that that kind of sense yeah also i suppose you know like for those of for those people who can link in with us on the um on the uh on the webcam and through the facebook pages that in other parishes you know We've been talking a lot of what we call the domestic church, and I mean, it's 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 actually well, even though we're physically apart for these rituals and these liturgies, um, people can create that sense of ritual within their own uh, homes. And you know, I was just thinking today we'll be putting word out now over the next few days about Holy Week here in the parish, and we're certainly encouraging people, you know, to have a crucifix, make sure you have a crucifix for Good Friday, make sure you have little water for the Holy Thursday, that you have a candle for our Holy Saturday celebrate vigil. So you, you kind of link in with people in that way so they can actually get connected, not just virtually, but actually they can get tan- tangible symbols of what we're celebrating over these three great days. I think that might be helpful and meaningful to everybody. Graham, 
very important indeed. We've loads of resources up on our diocesan mm-hmm. website, the Limerick Diocesan website as well, if people want to look them up. Mm-hmm. You're nearly 40 years a priest. <laughs> what has been a high point in priesthood for you? Oh, God, that's a... <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes I think the high points are very um, low-key occasions in a way. Um it may be something somebody says to you uh, um, for something like that discussion I had earlier today with that person, something I was involved in 15 years ago has resonated with those people all the time. And so, yeah, I think that's the, that those personal kind of moments of encouragement are always a high point, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, I look back over my time over the last 40 years um, we've been through a very difficult period uh, and uh, people uh, people have stayed with us they, they have i think that in itself is encouraging too um, and i think back to the eucharistic congress i remember um, being part of that in, in dublin and uh, that time i was administrator in the diocese so um, I remember we were gathering with the bishops to, to go out to celebrate one of the masses in the RDS. And we were talking to bishops from uh, other parts of the world. And there were two French bishops there and just chatting to them. And they, they knew, they, they expressed to me the pain that they, that they felt that we were having here in the Irish church at that particular time. And they said one of the reasons they had come was out of solidarity with the Irish church. And I just felt that we, yeah, suddenly we can see Ireland is very small. It's a very small, I suppose, microcosm of the church, but we, sometimes we don't look beyond our own borders. Uh, we are part of an incredible universal uh, family of God that certainly um, I think we, it was good for us to experience both at the Eucharistic Congress and uh, at the celebration of families in Dublin in the last two years ago. Uh, you get a sense that you're, you're, you're not alone, that you're not just one isolated island. You're part of a much greater, greater uh, universal church, really. You know? Wonderful. That's wonderful. That's it's such, such an encouragement for families. If you met a young man who was thinking about priesthood, what might you say to him? Uh, I, I would say to him uh, that he would first of all he i I think you know you're talking about his prayer life really and how significant that is for him at that particular time um i think i would encourage him to perhaps find somebody that he could talk this over with on a regular basis and maybe uh, somebody who would guide him through discernment and of course we have that process now being set up in our own diocese in the munster region I think it's this week, actually, isn't there, that there is an actual program uh, of discernment uh, for men who might be considering the priesthood. Um, and, yeah, I, I think those are the two things I, I would actually say, you know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. We've gone through a lot here, Tony, <laughs> and our time is running out. And maybe by way of conclusion, go back to the beginning. You're a great man for a song. I won't ask you to sing a song. Thank God. But, <laughs> What's, what's your favorite music? What's your favorite type of music? And do you have oh, a favorite song? I had a feeling you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very wide range of interests in music. I suppose stemming from my own roots, traditional, 
folk music, Irish music. But also I grew up in the 70s, so groups like the Eagles and even Queen, can I say, from the rock group Queen. Um, and then maybe going on to Minute and discovering a whole new world of classical music, ecclesial music. Um, so if you were to look into my collection of music here, you'd see quite a, a range of, of things. And I was thinking about this. And one of the things, I suppose, that excites me are that gives me energy around music is the voice. And that's interesting because I love listening to particular voices. So they can be in any, any uh, you know, genre of music. They can be, you know, I remember being at a, a rugby match in Cardiff with my brother and listening to Catherine Jenkins sing for the very first time. I'd never even heard of her. And she sang the Welsh national anthem, uh, Land of My Fathers, I think it's called. It was just incredible moment. It's a, so the voice is something that I actually love. I love to listen to particular voices, the, the style, the range, the tone. Yeah, that's, that's really um, kind of what I like about voice and singing. As regards songs, oh God, uh, well, I could sing you a folk song, a song for Ireland or something like that, you know, so, but uh, yeah. That's, that's well, listen, that's very interesting. Interesting what you say about the range of the voices. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and both male and female. And I mean, when you look at any of the singers, really, like you take a folk singer like Mara O'Connell or Mary Black or somebody like that, um, beautiful richness to their to their to their voices. Uh, and then you kind of go along to the more operatic type like Celine Byrne and these people. Absolutely fantastic, you know, so. So, yeah, I, I'm really in, interested in voice, uh, really. Well, I, I love listening to people sing. You know. Thanks, Tony, for that very interesting conversation. Thanks to you for, indeed, giving voice to pastoral ministry at so many <laughs> levels, which you've yeah, done. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Limerick Dice is very grateful to you for your service and ministry, so generously given at many, many levels. And we wish you well, Abby Field, for Easter. And, uh, Thanks very much. Now, the piece of music that Father Tony would like us to play this morning is a beautiful piece of music uh, sung by Catherine Jenkins, and this one is entitled Gaelic Blessing. <laughs> 